Well, good morning, everybody. Good to see you guys here and trust the Lord's continuing to do a work in your life. And this morning we're in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. So if you want to make your way as we slowly wind through the last few chapters of 1 Corinthians, we'll get into some final subjects on the gifts here in chapter 14 and then Chapter 15's got some, uh, we learned some great things about uh, resurrection, the resurrection of Christ, especially in our resurrection bodies at the end of chapter 15. And so uh, we're getting pretty close to the end here in chapter 16. So let's go before the Lord in prayer and we'll pick it up there in verse 1. Father, we do come before you now and we thank you for uh, your love and for all that you continue to do in our hearts and our lives, Lord. And we, this morning we ask that you would open your word to us, Lord, that we might hear and see from you, Lord, that we might learn and understand all that you have for us, that we might grow closer to you and, and love you more, Father. For we ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 So last time we read through um, and looked through the... 1 Corinthians chapter 13, and, and as it says at the very end of chapter 12, you know, I'll show you a more excellent way, and he talked about uh, love. And we talked about last time how important our motives are. Our motives matter to God. He um, wants us to do things out of a heart of love. And if we have other motives that um, are selfish or self-centered, um, then the actions we do don't have an impact like we would like them to have. And we spent a lot of time talking about that, and uh, even though it was just kind of one chapter and one teaching, there's so much to, to look into in chapter 13, and um, we, we did talk about all that. Now, again, remember chapter 13 is sandwiched between chapters 12 and chapter 14, right? And those two are still speaking about the gifts uh, the spiritual gifts that uh, our Heavenly Father gives to us. And so those all are, are fit together. That's the context of chapter 13. It has to do with the spiritual gifts given to us and having the right, again, attitude, the heart of love matters to God. And now we um, will move into uh, looking into, continuing looking at the gifts, I should say. Um, and... Uh, We'll move into this chapter, which will take us a couple weeks to go through, but we'll finish, you know, with those gifts, speaking about them in the concept of, in, in the context of the church meeting and the gifts operating there. Um, so this is how, how do these gifts, and he's going to particularly talk about two. He's going to talk about tongues and prophecies, and really that's almost uh, exclusively what's going to be talked about here in chapter 14. Um, but their proper use in the church, what they mean to the church, how each is important, and uh, what the significant impact is on the, on the church body. So he's going to be focusing on that, so we can keep that in mind as we go through here. You know, he is he's still talking about the gifts, he's still talking about the motives behind it in love, but again, now we're going to look at just, just two of them. We're going to kind of focus on the two of them, unlike the list that we found in chapter 14 and we read in Romans and a couple other places where the gifts are listed. He's just going to focus on those two. Um, and again, I, I ask as we go through this, it's just it's important for us, I believe, to 
to lay aside all the preconceived ideas that we might have, particularly if we learn them in a denomination. Um, you know, those preconceived ideas can be pretty uh, ingrained in us, but, you know, whether, you know, you grew up in a, you know, spiritually, what does it mean you grew up necessarily from a young age, but that could be the case as well, but you just, you know, they either the gifts weren't for today and they'll separate them into miraculous gifts and these kind of gifts and these kind of gifts and you know most of them have just been washed away they have no relevance for us after the apostles died out or you know the other end they're all for today and they're kind of running uh, a lot of the in and through all the services and uh, you know particularly tongues is a big one um, and you know, you've seen all that growing up. And so I, I kind of ask you to maybe lay aside those preconceived ideas. And, and sometimes it's just a matter of being in a church, you get used to it. Um, you know, and you, you see them and that becomes the norm. And you think that becomes, well, that's what the Bible teaches, because obviously that's the way the church is doing it. And that might, nece not, might necessarily be so. Um, so let's just see what the Word of God says here and, you know, make sure that we're in line with what the Bible teaches and not what me or anybody else does. It's, um, let's see what the Word of God has to say about these spiritual gifts, particularly tongues and prophecy. And let's open ourselves up to, you know, look at these things afresh, if we would. All right, well, verse 1 says, Pursue love and desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. So again, the first thing he reminds us as we move out of chapter 13, again, love or the motivation behind a person with spiritual gifts must be love. He's, you know, again, we're, st we're still really talking about that. That's very important. And, uh, but, and he says to desire spiritual gifts is a good thing. You know, we shouldn't be, well, because there's so much controversy. I don't know what to believe. You know, some people believe this, some people believe that. And, you know, it's all over the place, and so I'm just going to kind of take a back seat to it all. You know, you can't do that. You know, Paul says, don't be ignorant about the spiritual gifts. You, you, you can't just take a back seat to it and let these people hassle it out, and I'll just kind of sit, take a back seat to it and watch what goes on. We're not supposed to do that. We're supposed to know spiritual gifts, know what they mean. Don't be ignorant about them. And so we do have to learn about them. It's important. And again, um, we should desire them. We want to be used by God. And he gives us those gifts to, again, as we talked about over these past weeks, edify and build up the body of Christ. They're not to make us look good or more spiritual or give us recognition or attention in some way, as some of them might do. Uh, no, it's rather to build up everybody, and it has to have the heart of love and what's best for the church, the body of Christ. And so he says, you know, pursue love, absolutely. You have to desire the spiritual gifts, that's right. But he's, now he's going to focus on, but especially um, that you may prophesy. Um, again, it seems as we read through these things, in the Corinthian church at that time, it, 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 it seems pretty strongly to me that the gift of tongues was a big part of their service. Um, because he's going to talk about it in so many different ways in this chapter 14, which is you know pretty long, about 40 verses. Uh, he's going to be talking about that, and he's going to compare it or contrast it or talk about prophecy alongside of it. So 
what seems pretty apparent as we read through this is that, uh, that tongues was considered a very important spiritual gift in the Corinthian church, and prophecy not so much. And what Paul's saying is, no, 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 uh, prophecy is very important, and tongues has its place, but in comparison to prophecy, as far as edifying the body of Christ, the church itself, uh, it, it doesn't have the same impact that prophecy does. So again, um, we need to see that, and he's going to talk about that, and he's going to address that. Now, the word for you know prophecy is not the same uh, for for preaching, and um, you know here's the dictionary of Bible themes. Uh, again, talks about the word prophecy is speaking authoritatively of the future. Since God knows the future, He is able to reveal it to people beforehand. And so, when we use this word uh, prophecy here, that's uh, that's what we're speaking about here, um, and we'll we'll define what prophecy looks like and how that works out in in the church when a person prophesies, how you can discern whether it's a prophecy or not, um, and but he says this is what you really should desire. This is what's important, and it's clear uh, a reference to that because we we've talked about prophecy, you know, foretelling and just talking about the Word of God and, and not necessarily foretelling, but just telling forth what the Word of God is. And this has more of the sense of, you know, speaking that authoritatively of what God's doing, this gift that he's referring to here. Because he could use the gift of like preaching or teaching, but he doesn't uh, use that word. So we know we're talking about uh, something different here. So pursue love. We should desire the gifts. We're not to be ignorant about them, as we said. And then especially that we may prophesy. Well, verse 2 of chapter 14 says, For he who speaks a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. For no one understands him. However, the spirit in the Spirit he speaks mysteries. Is that an advertisement? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, again, um, with the gift of tongues, there is one, you know, and, and there's so much misunderstanding with the gift of tongues. Now, um, we need to understand as we go through this again that tongues is this supernatural communication uh, from man to God, not from man to man. And unfortunately, you know, if, you, if you've grown up, like I said, spiritually, not necessarily chronologically, or you, you could have too, but... You know, that, you know, you hear Sister Sarah give a word of prophecy, and she usually does every Sunday morning, and then Brother such and such gives one, and maybe somebody else does one, and usually, you know, it, it kind of happens that way, and, and you know, you, you, you hear all that, and you kind of get used to all that stuff, but, you know, what, what clearly needs to be shown here, and what we're going to learn about is that it's a supernatural communication from man to God, right? Because no one understands him, so the language he is speaking in is not something that we can understand in the natural, right? It's not like he's speaking English or Spanish or French or Italian, as Ethan wants to learn, right? Um, all these kind of things. It's not about that. It's, you know, it's not in the language, um, but rather it is, um, uh, he's speaking mysteries uh, about God. Now, don't, let, me, let me make this clear. It also can be in a language we understand. Uh, it can be in an understandable language because when you look at Acts chapter 2, 11, and I'll put that verse up here, 
Um, you know, you, you hear um, all of a sudden them speaking praises to God in many different languages that were known to the people who were in Jerusalem at that time. And again, um, they hear you know, this going on in this upper room, and it probably was in a central place in Jerusalem where a lot of people had come uh, in for um, the uh, Feast of uh, Pentecost there. Uh, and a lot of people are there, and then all of a sudden there's all these people speaking praises to God in different languages that are understood here. And you notice what the people hearing those tongues says that we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues or in our own languages there. So it certainly you know, uh, has, it has to do with praising God, and it can be in a, a language we understand, or a language that we certainly don't understand. It can be a heavenly language, as we talked about, about last time. And again, um, they spoke to God in a multinational crowd over here, these praises to God. And so that's what the tongues is. And then Peter stood up, you might remember the rest of the story, and explained what that meant. This is what's going on here, and he, and he taught them. So there was this great praise and glory to God, in, in this case, in different uh, languages, and it was praising God, and then Peter sat down or stood up, however the case might be, and addressed those people wondering what was going on and told them what was happening here. So, you know, again, uh, there's the, we talked about the heavenly language, or here known in uh, the first time it came in different languages that were known, um, but again, they're, they're speaking sp uh, mysteries, they're speaking to God, they're not a communication for one person to another person. Um, uh, that's what tongues are. They're this communication to God, praising God. And we'll talk about that, you know, as we continue to go through this. But, you know, he wants you to know that, uh, you know, it has this great and wonderful place. But remember, it's the communication is to God. It's not from man to man. Unlike prophecy, which he's going to talk about next here in verse 3, but he who prophesies speaks edification and exhortation and comfort to men. So the difference is here, right? You're speaking to God in a known or an unknown language. It could be, you know, uh, uh, could be known to others. It could be unknown to everybody in this heavenly tongue. We'll, we'll, again, we'll talk about that. But it's a communication from man to God. Here, though, with prophecy, it has to do with communication between people. And uh, he clearly tells us what prophecy will be or what it will look like. And if you're an underliner or highlighter or note taker, however you do it, um, you know, there's really easy to determine uh, what a gift of tongues should be when it's interpreted. And we'll talk about that as, come, as you come up. Or what prophecy really is. Prophecy is edification, exhortation, and comfort. So when somebody stands up in a church, and maybe you've been in those churches, and I've been in a number of them over the years, you know, who stands up and is speaking for the Lord, and a lot of times they'll start out and they'll say, you know, thus says the Lord. And uh, there's a person in here who has uh, committed sin last night, and the Lord wants you to know you need to repent, or uh, and uh Turn away from those things and, uh, you know, 
you're under God's judgment or something like that. Well, does it fit the exhortation, the edification, and the comfort of men? If it doesn't, then it's not from the Lord. It's just from that person, and it's coming from that person. But it'll, it'll, it'll contain one or all of these things. It'll edify, it'll exhort, or it, it'll comfort. And we need to understand that because denominations have allowed these gifts, and particularly the gifts of tongues and prophecy, to create kind of their own lives within their church or within their denomination. Um, and a lot of them, at least from what I have observed, you know, in my, my travels and my time, you know, a lot of them, or at least some of them, maybe I shouldn't say, but I, you know, knowing if you've been to a couple of the denominational churches, that's the way most of them are. So I'll, I'll qualify it here. But, you know, they, they seem to have lost, you know, track of the purpose of the gifts. And, uh, you know, they kind of created their lives of their own. And as they continue to do these things and practice these gifts, they kind of just, you know, take on this whole way of doing things within their church body or within the denominational body. And they may be very far off from what the Bible describes is what the gift really is and what it looks like. And therefore, there's a lot of pressure on people to look spiritual because that's what everybody else does. And they put pressure on you. Well, you don't have any of the gifts. How come you're not speaking in tongues? If you don't have the gift of tongues and you're not, you know, you don't have the Holy Spirit in you. That's the doctrine of some churches. Uh, that's evidence of the Holy Spirit dwelling in you is the gift of tongues, which is completely unbiblical. But that's the direction sometimes things go. And, uh, you know, but you're put into pressure to... To, to say a prophecy or speak in tongues in some way or to do these, you know, uh, these gifts that, um, that are used uh, repeatedly in a particular, you know, church service over and over again. And what that does is that really just comes from that person and it has nothing to do uh, with the Lord. And so it's always important, as I said, to go back, what does the Word of God say? What's He telling us, right? We just... Uh, we, we need to know how it's defined in the Bible, how it's used in the Bible, not what we've learned through church denominations or experience. But prophecy is very clear. It's edification, exhortation, and comfort to men. And he'll talk about it in a little bit here, so we'll, we'll continue to visit that subject, but uh, very clearly defined there. Now verse 4 says, He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself. But he who prophesies edifies the church. And then he says this, verse 5, I wish you all spoke with tongues, but even more that you prophesied. For he who prophesy, prophesy, prophesies sorry, is greater than he who speaks with tongues, unless indeed he interprets that the church may receive edification. So again, here's you know how he's putting these important things down. And it seems, again, uh, from these verses and others, that the Corinthian church focused on the gift of tongues, and that seemed to be elevated in the church body, uh, as maybe it would be in a number of Pentecostal churches today. It's, it's very important. It's almost kind of the co cornerstone of their, of their uh, church uh, thinking and doctrine and uh, what they do and who they are. It, it's 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 very important, and it seems that way that's what it was like in the Corinthian church. But he's talking about how that is not really in 
not really helpful to everybody without an interpretation, but prophecy in and of itself has a great blessing to everybody. Now again, you know, uh, he who speaks in a tongue edifies himself. Uh, so again, uh, there's a great blessing to the person who speaks in tongues. Nobody is, can deny that or take that away or minimize that in any way. Because basically it is man speaking to God. Um, just like you read some of the Psalms of praise that just extol God and how great he is and how wonderful it is and how he's done this and how he's done this in my life or in the nation's life or in the churches, you know, or this or that. It's one of those great, you know, like one of those great Psalms of praise. Um, they're just great and wonderful to be a part. It's just like speaking to God, right? So... Again, if you hear someone says, thus says the Lord, um, as an interpretation to tongues, so let's say Sister Sarah, sorry, I'm just pulling that name out of the random hat here, all of a sudden stands up in the middle of the service and says this tongue, and then, you know, Brother Charlie stands up and get to give an interpretation, and he says, thus says the Lord, then it's not right. Right, Because we know that tongues is man speaking to God. He is speaking the praises, and we'll talk about that. You know, it's, it's directed at God. It's not directed at people. And so the interpretation of something like that would be completely wrong. And, and so, again, we know that this can be in a known language or an unknown language, uh, but thirdly, the tongues builds up the person that's speaking them, right? Just as verse 4 says. Um, and, and this isn't done through the intellect because, you know, a, a lot of the times a person, um, as we'll get into it here, may not understand the words he is saying in the same way that they understand a, a, a language. It's not necessarily done through intellect. As a matter of fact, I believe, as we read on here, that you know, when, you, when you speak in tongues, it, it, it can really bypass your intellect and go this straight communication to our Heavenly Father, right? And you know, it kind of bypasses the intellect. And I believe, well, I'm kind of getting ahead of myself, that you know, that's why the gift of tongues is given to some people and not to other people, because there's some people that that want to bypass their intellect and just commune with God. Their intellect gets in the way. Other people, it doesn't. And so it doesn't necessarily, is not an, as important to them. And uh, we'll talk about that as we, as we go here, go through it. But back to the verses here, verse 5 tells us very clearly that Paul wished that everyone could speak in tongues. And as we get through this chapter, he'll say, you know, I speak in tongues more than anybody else. As we get down to verse 20 and 19 and so forth, we'll, we'll, we'll see, you know, uh, that he says that. So it's a wonderful thing. We don't want to discount that. He, he said, I wish everybody can enjoy the blessings that I have speaking to God in, uh, in this way and communing with him in this way. I, 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 I would like everybody to receive the blessings and experience the blessings that I have with this spiritual gift. And, and one of the reasons is, verse 4 says it, because it builds up or edifies the person speaking them. You know, you know it, it's, it, it builds them up. 
and, and it's wonderful. But the gift of prophecy is so much better for the church body than tongues, and we'll talk about more about that later on, because again, everybody profits from the edification, the exhortation, and the comfort that prophecy brings. So he says, you know, that, that brings so much to the table in the church setting um, that it's, it's so much more important. Now, tongues can be, you know, and it can edify the church if there's someone that interprets. And again, as we get through this and next week more, we'll talk about how critical that is. As a matter of fact, he'll say a little bit later on that if there is an interpreter, and you know whether it's themselves or, or somebody else, then they shouldn't speak in tongues anymore. That's it. Boop. There's no interpretation in here, so it shouldn't just go on in the church body anymore. You should just you know nix it because it's not going to do anybody any good. But, you know, it does have a great benefit. It is a great blessing. Don't misunderstand me. In particular, and, and, and in the church setting, it needs to be with someone who can interpret it so everybody can get it. Because it's not something that you understand, again, through your intellect when they're speaking that. Um, so speaking in tongues in the church setting can be okay and good. But prophecy always has this great and wonderful uh, benefit. And again, prophecy will bring edification, exhortation, and comfort to the church. Um, I like this, um, this quote, and it says, 1 Corinthians 14 is more focused on what the Corinthian Christians do when they come together as a church than what they do in their own devotional life. There are things that are fine for the Christian to do in their own devotional life, which may be disruptive, annoying, or self-exalting for a Christian to do in a church meeting. The gifts of, gift of tongues is one of those things. Since Paul focuses on when the Corinthian Christians come together as a church, it is clear why he regards the gift of prophecy as greater. And I, and I like that because, again, there is some limitations to the gifts of tongues in the, the gift of tongues in the church setting, in the church body setting. And so, you know, prophecy will have more benefit for the church body. And uh, we need to understand that. So, again, back to what is prophecy again? Uh, edification, exhortation, and comfort. So, again, if... Um, Somebody stands up and says, thus says the Lord. Uh, there's somebody in here who needs to turn uh, you know, is in adultery and that's sin and wrongful. You need to get away with it. Um, you know, uh, someone comes in here with sin or this and that. We, we know and we can go through and say, well, that's not what the gift of prophecy is for. And, and I'll kind of go through them here. Edification is building up. And again, it is a construction term speaking of you know being built up in the Lord you know it, it's strengthening or building you know a person's faith uh, a word of prophecy then is going to build somebody up not tear them down so again if it's if this prophecy is tearing somebody somebody supposedly speaking a prophecy and tearing something down you, you know that's just not from the Lord that's from that person and so it'll, it'll 
build up a person or a group of people in that case. And then it says exhortation, again, is encouragement. You know, you can do it. Don't be afraid. Uh, and I like, you know, as the one Bible dictionary puts it, it's like a, a speech from a coach in the locker room before the game, right? You know, he's building you up, and you can do it. And, you, man, look at the, you know, uh, the yardage we can make. And look at our running game. And look at our passing game. Sorry, football season's coming in, so I'm going to use football instead of soccer, Carl. Sorry about that. <laughs> but, you know, we're going we're gonna, to, you know, you're going to do it. We got, man, we, we got it together. Our defense is on it. You guys are doing great in, in offense. And, you know, just think of the coach before the game. He's just building them up you know, in this wonderful way. You know, he's, you can do it. Don't be afraid. I'm sorry, exhortation is encouragement. You can do it. You got it. You know, it, it, and, and the prophecy is not going to discourage a person. It's going to encourage them. And so if somebody says, thus says the Lord, and it does something, you know, you, you, know, you need to stop that. You need to back out of that. You need to, you know, that's the wrong direction or something like that. Well, is God can address all those things, but it doesn't come as part and parcel of, of the gift of prophecy. It's going to encourage someone. So it's going to exhort them to continue to go on. You know, it's going to strengthen and build in their faith. This is going to, you know, rally them up. Yes, you can do it. Don't be afraid. Keep moving forward. And of course, the last one is pretty straightforward, you know, comfort, uh, comforting somebody. You know, God loves you. He knows what you're going through. He's going to see you through it. He's in charge. You know, it's going to have this wonderful work, um, you know, to somebody that's having a, a bad day or having a bad month or a bad year and you... You know, you put your arm around them and you're, you know, you're helping them carry the load. Um, and it, it, it's, it's a wonderful thing. It'll bring comfort to them, not condemnation as, you know, sometimes you've, if you've been around those things that happen in the church, it's going to bring comfort to them. And it's so important that we'll do that because that's what prophecy is supposed to be. And we need to understand that because when we come across it and a person says, I have a prophecy from the Lord from you, and it doesn't have any one of those three things, then you can you know, nod and be nice and say thank you very much and then just go to Starbucks and have your cup of coffee and don't even worry about it anymore, right? Uh, uh, and, and you say, well, it just, it's that, you know, that's not, you know, not necessary from the Lord. I'm in here and having, you know, hearing this guy say this in front of everybody and that's not what you have uh, you know, in store for me, God. And so, you know, that's uh, some way we can define and understand what these gifts mean and, and how they look and how they operate in the church. So again, uh, edification, exhortation, and comfort. Uh, that's what the gift of prophecy will do in the church body. Now, verse 6 says, But now, brethren, if I come to you speaking with tongues, what shall I profit what shall I profit you unless I speak to you either by revelation, by knowledge, by prophecy, or by teaching? So we have some examples in the next few verses, but he said, if I come to you and to the church and I speak in tongues, well, that might be okay. It may be a blessing for me, but is it really going to be a blessing for anybody else? Or, if, you know, um, if, if I'm up here right now, let's just put it right now in today's setting right now, and I just started speaking in a tongue right this minute, how would that profit the rest 
of you in the room here. Now, it'll benefit me, certainly, but how would prof, uh, profit the whole church? Um, again, he, he said, I'd rather, you know, we need to do what we rather do in our services, and I, I hope what goes on in our services is you have this revelation, you have knowledge, you have prophecy, you have teaching going on. If, if I come to you with a tongue, it's just not going to really do much for anybody but me speaking it. And if I did it up here, you guys would sit through and maybe you might think, oh, that's spiritual, oh, that's nice, that's wonderful. I wonder what he said. I have no idea, but it's probably great and, you know, amen. But, um, but if I come and I stand up here and I talk about revelation or knowledge or prophecy or teaching, how much more do we get out of it? And again, uh, you know, by speaking revelation, it, it might be that the truth is revealed, right? That's what we're talking about. We want the truth revealed here. Or, or, you know, if I come with knowledge so that truth might be understood. Or by prophesying where the truth is revealed. Or by teaching that we might know the truth of the Word of God and it might be heard. We all know the benefits of those because, well, frankly, that's, why most of us come to church here. You know, we want the revelation. We want the truth un, 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 unveiled. We want the truth understood by knowledge, right? We want the truth revealed through, through prophecy and teaching that we might know God and the Word of God and it might be known to us. You know, those methods of communication are advantageous and profitable for the whole church. Let me put it this way. Maybe you... Maybe it's it, just to help it sink home. Have you ever sat through a church service? And I know you have. And you're sitting there and, and the pastor's speaking and teaching and you're thinking to yourself, did this guy follow me this week? Did my wife call him and tell him what was going on? I mean, did he, how, how did he know? What, he must have been thinking of me when he was, uh, when he was writing down those things that he was going to say. You know, somehow he got into my email or this or that. No, that, that, you know, and, and you have this thing of, wow, that's speaking directly to me. You see, that's what we're talking about here. That, that's what we want, you know. Uh, you know, these are the, that's what edifies us. That's what builds up the church body. That's him speaking to us by revelation or by knowledge or prophecy or teaching. And, and that, you know what impact that has on you when you feel like it's being directed to you personally or to your situation. And he said, that's when we come into church, and that's, you know, the great blessing of the gifts being used in the body of Christ. That it'll do that. And so he is talking to them about that, and why that is so much more important than, than the gifts of tongues, and how much of a blessing it can be uh, uh, in the church body. And that's what, again we do when we meet together as a church. Now, what we do in our own devotional life, there's great benefits for all sorts of things, and particularly tongues and all that. We're not eliminating that. He talks about that. He said they're great. They have great advantages. But when we come together, obviously you can see and understand the great benefit of what we were talking about here and what he has just said. And now, again, um, He's going to demonstrate the importance of speaking so that all can profit. And he's going to kind of do it a little uh, tongue-in-cheek here. So verse 7 says, Even things without life, whether flute or harp, when they make a sound, unless they make distinct sounds, distinction in the sounds, how 
will it be known what is piped or played? Verse 8 says, For if the trumpet makes an uncertain sound, well, who will prepare for battle? So likewise, unless you utter by the tongue words easy to understand, how will it be known what is spoken? For you will be speaking into the air. So he's saying, and again, going on how important it is and how tongues can really not necessarily benefit the whole church. Um, some years ago, Ethan wanted to learn to play the trombone. <laughs> now, I don't know if you know much about the trombone, but, you know, when he first brought his trombone home and all that stuff, you know, he was thrilled with the slide and how you can make different sounds with it and everything. And so he would play this trombone and make all sorts of different sounds, which were fun for him, but unpleasant for everybody else, right? Um, you, you know, he had the trombone and doing this and he'd blow and blow in different ways of breath and then move the slide around and it was making all sorts of noise which again was exciting and fun for him but pretty unpleasant experience for all the rest of us and in the same way someone talking to god with the gift of tongues may be blessed and they are blessed but who else is and, and, and that's what he's saying is that it, it has to mean something if it doesn't mean anything it, it's just it's like a trumpet going off for battle. If you, 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 you know, call the troops together and a certain sound means you, you rally together or do this, and if you don't do that, they won't know what to do. Well, that's a sound we never heard before. It's supposed to be three blasts, and they did like one and a half and then a you know, jazz number or something on there. What does that mean, right? You can see how he's saying that. And, and for the trombone to be appreciated, you, you want to have all the notes come out and, and have the rhythm to it and, and you know, uh, all that's involved in that. If not, it's just a bunch of noise, and that's what he's saying here. And again, if you've been involved in the church services where they're going on, you know, it might be neat to hear other people speak in other tongues, and, you know, we hear that, and, you know, if you the first time you hear it, I, I don't know about what your experience was, I'm like... I think Thomas shared what his experience was last time. But, uh, you know, you're like, what? What? What did he just say? Uh, what? Wow. What? You know, and you're elbowing the person that brought you to church or that knows a little bit more. And, and they'll say, oh, it's, you know, speaking in tongues. And you're just, it, it kind of blows you away. You're like, wow, whoa, whoa. And, you know, most of the time we think, wow, spiritual. That's so wonderful. That is so different. And, you know, it kind of makes you go that way. And even when you hear it later on, it, 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 wow, that's neat. And that's so spiritual. But what it becomes is more a curiosity rather than a spiritual edification. Because it has to make sense to people or else it's just Ethan blowing on his trombone and it makes a bunch of different sounds and it might be fun for him, but nobody else gets it. Um, and again, if they're aren't speaking in a language that people know, then it's not doing much else other than making noise. That's what he's saying here. And then verse 10, he says, but there are, and it may be so many kinds of language in the world, and none of them without significance. Therefore, if I do not know the meaning of the language, I shall be a foreigner to him who speaks, and he, shall be, uh, and he who speaks will be a foreigner to me. Uh, I don't know, have you ever gone to a church service 
in a different language than your own, and one that you don't know. It, it's kind of an unusual thing, and I, I've done that on a number of occasions, but, you know, uh, I don't know about you, but after a period of time, my mind wanders pretty quickly, because I just, you know, oh, oh I kind of get that, or I kind of get that a little bit, or I kind of understand that a little bit, but, you know, you're just, you walk away, and you don't really get much out of it, right? Because it's just a total different language. And, and it's like that. If you continue to speak in all these tongues, again, the person doing it is going to be edified, but nobody else is going to get much out of it because all languages have meaning, and we can trust that if a person speaks in tongue, God understands. No question about that. Even if no one else does, including ourselves, can understand it, right? But we know He understands it and has meanings if it's, you know, a, a tongue to God, certainly, but who else is going to get it? Again, if I, if I stood up here and spoke in a foreign language now, you guys might sit through it, but you would leave going, didn't get much out of that, right? And that's the illustration that he's giving here. If you continue to do that throughout the services and different times, you're just, nobody's going to get anything out of it. And remember again, this, these gifts are to build up the church. Therefore, the church body. There, that's the significance of all these as we talked about this over the weeks. So now Paul's going to sum up what should be happening in the church. Verse 12, Even so you, since you are jealous, I'm sorry, jealous, zealous for spiritual gifts, let it be for the edification of the church that you seek to excel. So it's great you guys on Corinth are excited and desire to have spiritual gifts and us today, and yes, we should, and yes, it's good. But the goal should be to benefit everybody in a church service or in a church meeting. Uh, and, and again, uh, it, that's the whole idea. And how will this help? Well, verse 13, let it, Therefore let him who speaks in a tongue pray that he may interpret. For if I pray in a, in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. So again, there is a place for tongues in the church, but only if a person or someone else interprets what is said. And you know, or that's why he says, pray that he may interpret. So my understanding does not benefit when I speak in tongues. Notice that. It's unfruitful, he says, but my spirit prays. And in saying my spirit prays, the gift of tongues, I'm communicating again to God and not to man. And again, as we talked about this earlier, you know, it bypasses the understanding, right? My understanding is unfruitful. That's what it says at the end of verse 14 here. And again, um, for some people, that's, they, they always want to relate to God through understanding. It has to make sense to them. They have to, you know, understand it and pro process it kind of logically. All of that is important to them. And so, you know, the gift of tongues isn't really, doesn't have a, a lot of relevance to them. Uh, others, even as Paul does here, knows that the, the limits of our understanding are, are, are sometimes very small. And he thanks God for a way to relate to, to our Heavenly Father that goes beyond the intellect. And, and, and so he opens himself to that, and so that's a great gift for a person like that. And I think, you know, that's important that we understand that he gives gifts to some and not, and not to others. And I guess it's 
we should take a quick minute here just to talk about how does that someone actually speak in tongues because everybody's experience is probably a little different and I think that's a good thing but I, I think we can we can rule out what it's not um, and that's because a lot of this comes from you know being in a church that that puts a big emphasis on tongues and you know I'll go through a couple of them here um, what we know what it's not it doesn't happen as a person just opens their mouth and God takes over you know it, 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 with their tongue you know that I have I'm not involved in it I don't have any control over it we'll, we'll talk about that a little later on in this chapter Paul will say you have control over it it's not something that you know how could you criticize me I had nothing to do with it God did it to me and I, I you know all I can do is open my mouth and we'll 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 talk about that as we come a little later on, but that's not the case. We, we, we have control over the use of those gifts, just like we have the control of the gift of helps. If you have that gift and that person needs help and you know that's a gift, but you choose not to do it, you choose not to do it, right? It's, there's control over those things. So we know it just doesn't happen and God doesn't just take over. And it doesn't happen, you know, if you just begin, as some of the churches will do, if you've been around, you know, you, you start willing your tongue, and you probably, yeah, you've seen that too, you know, willing your tongue, and eventually God will start taking over. You know, they have all these ways of how to get you to speak tongues. And it, particularly if a church believes that the gift of tongues is the evidence of the Holy Spirit in your life, they will go through all these things. So, we'll start willing your tongue. Or the, the other thing that we've probably heard very, you know, common is you, you know, repeat some words that are nonsense, and you just keep saying them faster, 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 and faster. Have you ever heard? I forgot the line that uh, I heard one time somebody told me. I, I, it's going so far back, I don't remember anymore. But like, uh, and it, this isn't right, but it's like, do you want to buy a Toyota? Toyota? Do you want to buy a 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 Toyota? You know, you keep going faster and faster, and then, you know, eventually it becomes unintelligible, and you got it, you know, and, and we know that you, you know, repeat a nonsense phrase or a word faster and faster until God takes over. And I've had somebody tell that to me as well. So, so we know that's not how the gift of tongues works. And again, you know, should we use the gift of tongues in church? How shall it happen? Well, again, there is no guesswork here. And as we finish up the chapter next time, you know, we'll see, you know, denominations have their way of looking at it and other people we've seen do this. But again, that's not, the Bible gives us clear instruction. And, and that's what Paul's going to give us here in conclusion, verse 15. What is the conclusion then? I will pray in the, with the Spirit, and I will also pray with understanding. I will sing with the Spirit, and I will also sing with the understanding. Otherwise, if you bless with the Spirit, how will he who occupies the place of the uninformed say amen at your giving of thanks, since he does not understand what you say. For you indeed give thanks well, but the other is not edified. So if someone speaks in church, there should be an interpretation. And if not, they're just, how can anybody agree with you and say amen, right? And again, there's a great place for praying in tongues. Romans 8.26 you know, says this, you know, Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what we ought to pray, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. 
And I, I personally think that has, you know, a, a great place in the gift of tongues. And so it is. It's too deep. And you have groanings. And I think all of us have been through situations and circumstances where we can't even just communicate out of our intellect what we really want to say in prayer to our Heavenly Father because the circumstances are so overwhelming. You know, there's so much swimming around in our heads. There's so many this and that. And you just can't even kind of get it out. And the Lord, you know, wants us to. He wants us to commune. And there, you know, is prayer time where we have understanding and there's prayer time where we just can't have that and, and singing in the same way and rejoicing in the same way. But again, how can anybody during a church service say amen or so be it to something they don't understand? You know, well, it may sound great, but I'll have no idea what they said. And so he says, it doesn't benefit anybody else. And let's finish up here, verse 18. I thank God I speak with tongues more than all of you. Yet in the church, I'd rather speak five words with my understanding that I may teach others also than 10,000 words in a tongue. And again, as I said earlier, he says he speaks in tongues more than anybody else, but it doesn't have much of an effect on the church. And so we always need to have the heart of love that cares about others. Is how will this help everybody in the church? How can I build them up in Christ? How will they grow? How can they become more like Jesus? That's what I want to do. Not try to look more spiritual than others or have people look at me because I'm speaking in this unknown language and everybody, you know, looks at me. And, and you know, it, it can really build up uh, attention and ego. Because if you've been in a church service where, they, where it's happening a lot, you know, I could be up speaking and then all of a sudden, you know, one of you would just all of a sudden speak in a word tongue, interrupting everything, interrupting the pe- preacher, the pastor, and everybody's attention now is focused on that person saying whatever they're saying. And, and you could see how it could feed into people's egos and their desire to look more spiritual and desire to, you know, all those sort of things which have no place in the church for blessing and thinking of others. And so again, he says, I'd rather speak five words than 10,000 words in a language that nobody understands, even though there's a blessing associated with that, even though it has a great thing associated with, with, uh, with me communing with God. And, and again, uh, it should be what is going to best bless everybody. And uh, he finishes in verse 20 here, Brethren, do not be children in understanding, However, in malice be babes, but in understanding be mature. Now, it seems a little out of place to say that, but what he's saying is, guys, you need to know these things. You have to understand these things, what's really important, what the church service is all about, what gathering God's people does. And, and you know, if, you need to understand and know these things. You can't sit on the sidelines or sit in the back seat and, and, and allow things to go in a direction that's not right or, uh, you know, be involved in those things. You, you get to understand, you know, our, Jesus' heart for his bride, for the church. And, you know, there are some things you should be ignorant about. I like this verse. I use it quite a bit. You know, there's some things we should just know, know nothing about. But this isn't one of them. <laughs> there's all sorts of sin out in the world that it's good if you never know anything about it. And if somebody uses a term and you're like, what's that mean? 
Great. God bless you. That's a wonderful thing. But this isn't one of them. We need to know and understand this. And then next time he's going to go on and explain, um, again, a lot of that functioning in the church and what it exactly looks like, which we'll, we'll find next time. But for today, we'll leave it off there. Father, we again thank you for your word and the clarity that it brings, Lord. We always want to have fresh eyes for it. We always want to know what you have to say in your word and not what we've learned. Even though, you know, I, I don't think anybody purposely, you know, may teach these things to deceive or to um, throw anybody off, but sometimes it can be so ingrained in a, in a pastor or in a church body or in a denomination that, you know, they kind of lose track of of what your word says. You know, they think they know it so well that they don't even visit it anymore because it's so so much a part of them, and yet it's kind of created a new life and, and gone completely different than what you had intended. And may we always have that open heart, Lord. We, may we never get stuck in that, whether it's this or anything else. We, we don't want to be stuck in some... Uh, way of doing things or some mindset that we just don't allow you, uh, Father, to, you know, to tell us exactly what should and shouldn't be and instruct us and we get in some rhythm that this is how we do things and we don't allow um, your word to penetrate that because it's so ingrained in us that how could it be wrong because we've been doing it for so long. And um, Lord, we never want to have that heart. We always want to be open to your word and making sure that you're instructing us and teaching us because you know what's best for us and you love us and you want to remind us of these things and lord may we always have that heart you know the heart here isn't to put anybody down or make any gifts you know unimportant or this or that it's uh, you know it's the heart for what's best for everybody in the church and may that be our heart as well um, you know we can have all these gifts but you say without love it's 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 meaningless so we want to have that heart of love, and we want to have these gifts that you choose to give to us. You know what we need when we need it. Sometimes we get one for you know quite a while, or two or three, and other times we get them once in a while. Other times it's maybe once, or whatever you choose, Lord. But we want to have the gifts, uh, not to anybody to look at us and think more of us than they should, but that it'll bless your people. And we always want to have that heart, Father. And so we ask for it, Lord. But we always care about your people and what's going on with them. And that our heart is to do what's best for everybody, not what is best for me or what I think will you know, make me look spiritually at the top of the heap, Lord. And help us to always approach in love and with humility, Father. For we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.